Hey, Think Squad, I'm Joel Sedeckes, host of the Think Pod. And on this show, we're all about answering current cultural challenges with timeless biblical truth. But what do we do about the challenge of government tyranny? That's the question that my co-hosts and I try to tackle in this episode. And to do that, we bring in someone who literally wrote the book on the subject, Pastor Matt Truhella. He's the pastor of Mercy Seat Christian Church in the Milwaukee area. He's a graduate of Valley Forge Christian College, and he and his wife, Clara, have 11 children and nine grandchildren. Pastor Matt's ideas are reshaping the way that the American church thinks about and interacts with the civil authorities. And so Khaldun, Micah, and I wanted to bring him in to talk about this challenge of government tyranny. How do we recognize it? How do we address it? And how do we defeat it? That is the question that we're tackling today on the ThinkPod. This is part one of a two-part discussion with Pastor Matt Truella. I hope you enjoy, and I hope it makes you think. My name is Joel Sedeckes. In 2009, I left my job in the business world to teach Bible at a Christian high school in Chicago. Impacted by my students' questions, I set out on a journey that brought me first to seminary to study apologetics and philosophy of religion, and then into pastoral ministry. As a pastor, I saw firsthand the struggle of believers confronted with questions of life that at first seemed impossible to answer, and the powerful confidence that came when they saw how God's Word gives the answers and guidance they needed. I had a dream to spread that message and equip more followers of Jesus, so my family and I joined crew and launched the Think Institute. Now, I'm on a mission to equip believers to explain, share, and defend the Christian message by applying timeless biblical truths to current cultural challenges. I don't have all the answers, but I'm determined to find them. And through this show, I'm reporting back to you, the Think Squad, what I discover. Welcome to the Think Podcast. Really quickly before we start, learning how to interpret all of life through the lens of God's Word takes a lot of work, more than just one or two podcast episodes a week. If you have an interest in the intersection between the biblical worldview and biblical manhood and current events, as I do, as well as philosophy, theology, and many, many leather-bound books, consider joining our free online community, the Think Squad group on Facebook, Gab, and on Signal. There you can join hundreds of other Christ followers who are also on the same journey, and we trade apologetic stories and strategies, we discuss philosophy and theological questions. It's like a huge bull session around a bonfire in your backyard or at your favorite cigar lounge. So check out the Think Squad group on Facebook, Gab, and Signal. All right, well, this is the Think Podcast. My name is Joel Sedeckes, and I'm joined by not only my co-hosts, Micah Morgan and Caldoun Swice, but also by a very special guest today, Pastor Matt Truella. And um, I guess we'll just go around and everybody can give a brief introduction to who we are, for those of you who are listening who have no clue. And maybe you've been listening to the 12 Days of Christmas episodes and you're like, hey, I want to see what else is going on with this podcast. Well, you tuned in on the right day because we are talking about a really amazing topic. But first, I'll introduce myself. My name is Joel Sedeckes. I am the founder and lead teacher 
of the Think Institute. And our goal is to equip believers to explain, share, and defend the Christian message. The goal of this podcast, the Think Pod, is to help fathers lead their families in defending the Christian message by answering current cultural challenges with timeless biblical truth. So that's me. That's what I'm all about. I'm a father of four, happily married wife of one, and uh, I could talk about myself all day. Who couldn't? But first, uh, I'll pass it over to Micah Morgan. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, and uh, what you're all about? Sure. Well, good afternoon, uh, everyone. My name is uh, Micah Morgan, um, uh, owner of Red Cloud Contracting. And what we do is uh, we want to see lives changed uh, through um, uh, building better places to live and work. And one way we do that is uh, by providing general contracting and project management services. So, um, you know, that is anything from remodeling a bathroom to building a new house to completely, you know, redoing a, a commercial space or an office area. Um, it's what I love to do. And uh, the great thing is I, I get to meet a lot of great people and, you know, serve with and, you know, uh, working with clients and things like that. So um, yeah, that's, that, that's my business real. You know, we're only four years old. Um, but this year's already starting off pretty well. So thankful, blessed for that. And uh, yeah, happily married to my wife of 10 years and have two kids myself. So we are a busy house, but um, yeah, just uh, just loving it. So thanks. Thanks for having me on. All right. Uh, Kel Swice. I am Associate Professor of Philosophy now for about 14 years at the City Colleges of Chicago, mm -hmm. and my area of expertise in is in cognitive science, philosophy of the mind, and recently apologetics in the last few years. And primarily now I'm focusing on life changes individually with people to help them build a life of passion, purpose, productivity that is actually productively, proficiently profitable. And that is what I do with men, and I absolutely love it. As I started with myself, I am a father of two and ready to engage the uh, insanity of our current government regulations, if I may. All right. And uh, Pastor Matt, why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, I pastor Mercy Seat Christian Church up here in the Milwaukee, Wisconsin area. I've been the pastor there for over 30 years, congregation of about 300 people. I, too, am a monogamist. Um, me and my wife have been married for 40 years now, and we have 11 children. Uh, the oldest is 39, and the youngest is 14. Um, by the way, one of our children's middle name is Red Cloud. <laughs> so I picked up on that Red Cloud name right away. His middle name is Red Cloud. And um, my wife is 25% uh, Cherokee, so she's a little darker. Mm -hmm. He's the whitest kid out of our 11 kids. And somehow he ended up with the Red Cloud name. <laughs> there you go. But we have um, six of our kids are married now, and we have 25 grandchildren so far. Wow. Um, wow. And it's been good. I authored this book called The Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrate. It's sold over 80,000 copies now. Mm -hmm. And it's really um, changed people's political paradigm 
in a massive way. Um, been heavily involved in the preborn for about on behalf of the preborn for about 30 years now. Um, did about 15 months in jail, um, various jails over a four-year period uh, for interposing at the doors of the abortion clinic between the abortionist and the preborn child. Mm. Um, yeah, those are some of the highlights. I could go on and on and on, but good to be here with you. Man, well, thank you so much for joining us, Matt, because um, you know I just had begun to hear about your work within the last year, I guess. Your name was one of these names that just kept on popping up as people were reacting to what the government was doing, the, the civil magistrates have been doing uh, in 2020 and especially in 2021. Uh, this name, Matt Truella, kept on popping up. And then um, I recently came across the county before country talks that were held out in Ohio. And I'd heard of county before country. I'd heard that phrase because I tend to follow, I follow Canon press and, you know, I'm subscribed to the Canon app, uh, which is part of Doug Wilson's uh, empire out there in Moscow, Idaho. And, um, and Michael Foster, who runs the organization, it's good to be a man. Uh, he had a, podcast a short podcast on the canon app called county before country so when i heard about the talks going on in ohio county before country i thought well that sounds familiar i wonder i wonder if that's you know is that related to this podcast checked it out sure enough michael foster was one of the speakers and you were one of the speakers as well and then i started looking into you a little bit more started following you on gab and seeing what you were all about and i realized man this guy's got some ideas worth listening to. And this, this is, uh, this is serious stuff. This is groundbreaking stuff. And, uh, when, when I found out about the County before country express talks going on up in Milwaukee, I reached out to a few friends. Caldoun responded. He and I went up there and went to the talks and I'll let Caldoun share his experience. But, um, you know, I really enjoyed it, got a lot out of it and, and thought this is somebody that, you know, we have to have on the show because on this show, we help men lead their families in confronting these current cultural challenges. And the challenge of government tyranny is not so much a traditional apologetic challenge the way we typically think of it, but in a sense it is because people are, are saying Romans 13, we have to submit to government, this and that. So I, I really appreciate you coming on. And, you know, maybe if you could give us just an introduction to this idea, you know, what, what is your work all about? What is the doctrine of the lesser magistrate and how does all this tie in to Christian localism, which is the focus of these talks? Sure. Um, well, the doctrine, just so people understand very simply is that when the higher ranking civil authority makes unjust or immoral law policy or court opinion, the duty of the, and the right, of the lesser magistrate is not blithe compliance, rather his duty is interposition, not to obey the superior authority and if necessary to actively resist the superior authority. Uh, this is a Christian doctrine, that's why we call it the lesser magistrate doctrine. It was first formalized by Christian men in 1550 in Magdeburg, Germany. These were Lutheran ministers who published an article 
published a confession. We refer to it as the Magdeburg Confession today, in where they showed from scripture and history that their magistrates were right to defy the emperor. The story of Magdeburg is actually the story of a city that defied an empire and won. There was actually a 13-month siege of the city by um, Holy Roman Emperor Charles V, and the Magdeburgers won after 13 months. If it had not been for the interposition of those magistrates in Magdeburg, Germany, because they were the only city that defied the emperor, if it had not been for their interposition, the Reformation very likely would have been just a blip on the radar screen of human history. That's how important their interposition was. In 1546, um, Luther died. That's when Charles made his move to re-Romanize all of the Protestant lands. And it was only Magdeburg that interposed at that time. So it's a Christian doctrine. The Magdeburg Confession, we've actually translated into English now. Um, it's the first English translation. We published it of the Magdeburg Confession. We published it in 2012. Um, we secured a 1550 original from the Bavarian State Library in Munich, Germany. Hmm. It was written in Latin. All important theological works were then. And I hired a guy with a PhD in Latin and Greek from Cornell University, impeccable credentials, and he did the translation work. And I wrote a historical prelude and historical postscript so people could understand the historical context. And we put in many footnotes also so that people would understand what those ministers, there were nine ministers who signed the confession there in Magdeburg, so they would understand um, the punch, that they would get what they were saying. Because if you didn't understand some of the history, you didn't get the full impact of what they were declaring in their confession. Um, so anyway, um, it's also, we use the term magistrate, it's just an old English term referring to uh, civil authorities whether appointed or elected to office. That's what we mean by magistrate. So it's called the Lesser Magistrate Doctrine. John Knox wrote the foremost treatise on the doctrine in his 1558 appellation to the nobles of Scotland. The nobles of Scotland were the lesser magistrates of their day. And he cited over 70 passages of scripture to show that the doctrine is sound in the word of God. I often use a quote from uh, Emperor Trajan, um, who, upon giving a sword to one of his subordinates, said this. He said, use this sword against my enemies if I give righteous commands. But if I give unrighteous commands, use it against me. It kind of is a succinction of the um, doctrine of the lesser magistrate. So the doctrine itself is a product of Christian thought, but you even see it exercised in non-Christian, non-Jewish nations, showing that it's natural to man also. Hmm. Hmm. That's fascinating. Thank you for sharing that, uh, Pastor Matt. How, how do you uh, bring this down on this level right now with the, uh, the mask mandates, the lockdowns, and the vaccine mandates? For example, here in the city of Chicago, I was out last night with a few friends. We were not able to enter many of the establishments, uh, both restaurants as well as other places like even bowling halls, without having a passport, etc. It 
it did reminisce me back into the days of socialism, communism, and it, it gave me chills at some level just seeing this happening before my eyes. I have believers, Christians, scholars, dedicated believers who are on both sides of this issue. Uh, how would where do you fall? How do we um, navigate that? Yeah, this is um, the evil we're in the midst of right now is insidious. And uh, it's important that people not comply and that they take a stand. People have to understand that tyranny is built plank by plank. And as you allow the tyrants to build each plank, they strengthen their tyranny. And the longer you wait to finally say, well, I'm not going to comply, the harder it is to actually defeat their tyranny. You're in a very bad place regarding Chicago. There's three cities right now that I'm aware of, New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago, that have implemented the vaccine passports. It's a huge evil. If people go to our website, defytyrants.com, uh, we have a four-minute video there showing massive protests around the world just during the month of December, where vaccine passports have already been implemented nationwide Austria, Germany, Israel, on down through the line. The four-minute video, of course, all these protests, these people are fighting for their very lives. You have to understand that. And all these protests are censored by the American media. It's a great evil. But there's much that can be done regarding the doctrine of the lesser magistrate. In fact, since this all began nearly two years ago, we've seen hundreds and hundreds of examples of the doctrine of the lesser magistrate played out. We haven't seen it, of course, at the federal level. We haven't seen any of the other branches check the president or the judiciary when they've done wrong. Um, so here's where we're at now. People are realizing, A, DC is at war with us and has been for a long time, outside constitutional restraints for decades now. Secondly, They've realized over the last two years that their state officials aren't going to protect them. In fact, often their state officials are the tyrants themselves. Hmm. So people have flooded into county and local government. I mean, in a massive way from coast to coast in order to make a stand for freedom. And we have seen hundreds and hundreds of examples of interposition by county and local officials, by county boards, by sheriffs by mayors, by city councils. Um, and I could share with you just a couple of examples of the hundreds upon hundreds that have taken place. Yeah. Let me share with you about your own state, um, Illinois. In May of 2020, you remember way back at the beginning, Al Pritzker and these other governors were coming out with their new draconian orders like every 72 hours. Hmm. Well, in, in May of 2020, Pritzker came out with his latest little order which declared that no businessman could open their business anywhere in the state of Illinois until I say you can open your business. And if any businessman opens his business before I say you can, he will now be arrested and charged with the crime. Unreal. So in a state of 102 counties, Illinois, only one county out of 102 actually interposed. Madison County, which sits on the Mississippi River directly across from St. Louis, assembled their county board the very next day, and they issued their own decree. 
And it said that their businessmen are free to reopen now. And that said that they would use all their authority to protect their businessmen. And they also cautioned the governor and the state not to interfere with their businessmen. Well, the very next day after that, Governor Pritzker, during his everyday briefing on the latest decrees of COVID and all that, attacked Madison County. And he threatened to remove their federal money, threatened to remove their state money, do all kinds of bad things to them. But Madison County held firm, resolute, did not flinch, and they continued to put out their own press releases also, <laughs> standing true to what they had said. Well, Pritzker did this for three days in a row, attacked Madison County, and finally after seven days from the time he gave his initial new draconian decree, um, the Illinois State Police put out a press release, and their pre press release declared that they would not arrest any businessman anywhere in the state of Illinois who opened their business before Governor Pritzker said they could. They had decided to stand with Madison County. And the very next day after that, Governor Pritzker rescinded that order. Mm. That's how the doctrine of the lesser magistrate plays out. That's how it works. And by the way, the guy who heads up Madison County is a Christian brother. Mm. And he had read my book on the doctrine of the lesser magistrate two years earlier. So they knew what their duty was um, in the sight of such evil, in the sight of such tyranny, and they've taken other measures also in order to interpose against the lawless actions of Governor Fritzker. That's one example. I share one more with you, and like I said, there's hundreds. Um, little, uh, oh, what's the name of that county? Down in um, Missouri. This is what's bad about getting into your 60s. You forget, <laughs> forget names. Anyways, there's this county way down in southern Missouri, and you remember last year after Biden was elected, he was threatening to use uh, law and policy to infringe upon American Second Amendment rights. This was all going on a year ago in January and also February, especially of last year. They gathered their county board together also, and they put out an actual ordinance. They made an ordinance that declared three things. Number one, any law or policy that infringed upon the Second Amendment rights of their county citizens was null, void, and of no authority in their county. Secondly, it declared that any county official who aided and abetted any federal agents or state agents that tried to infringe on their um, citizens' Second Amendment rights in their county would immediately be removed from office. And third, their ordinance declares that their sheriff is instructed to arrest any federal agents or otherwise who would come into their county to try to infringe upon the Second Amendment rights of their citizens. Matt, was that Matt, Newton County? It was Newton County. Thank you. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. I found, I found a, uh, a newspaper headline with that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that. So that was Newton County, Missouri. So these are the things that are being done, just to give you a couple examples of the lesser magistrate doctrine actually being played out in time and space in our in our day. Yeah, this is incredible. Thank you for sharing that. That is encouraging. Even um, close to where I am in Orland Park, Illinois, our mayor here in Orland Park, Mayor Keith Penu, 
had rejected the, uh, the new regulations and said he will not offer them and neither did the police chief approve of them either. He said, we will not regulate our police officers to do regular work on law-abiding citizens right. this way. We won't do it. Yeah. And they, they just sent out that press release just two days ago. That is <laughs> tremendous. And that is the doctrine of the lesson. That is the inner position. This is Christian thought in action. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Something similar happened yesterday or the day before in St. Charles. I'm here in the Fox Valley area. And um, in St. Charles, the mayor and the town council had a meeting. And it was a little ambiguous going into the meeting whether or not they were going to approve of vaccine mandates to just live normal life, to participate in normal society. And the the mayor had expressed a disinclination to go that way, but hadn't fully come out and said absolutely not well before the mayor and the council met there was a rally where people publicized it on facebook and they met and they rallied and they said you know we don't we're not going to tolerate this we don't want this and in that meeting the mayor came out and said unequivocally i am absolutely against the the uh imposition of any kind of uh, vaccine mandate. We are never going to go that route, uh, even though other local governments have. And of course, she was throwing shade at Chicago there, Sh- Chicago, you know, 40 miles to the east, even though another another um, even though this big hulking behemoth of a city has done this. And even though our governor, Governor Pritzker, is pushing this, we are not going to go that route. And so, uh, man, I don't I, I don't um, I don't remember a time when the actions of a local mayor made me breathe such a sigh of relief. <laughs> I was yes, just like, absolutely. Oh, that's good. That's good to know. Cause I go to St. Charles all the time. I love St. Charles and I would hate to be restricted from normal society because of a medical choice, which is none of, none of her business or any of the business owners business. Absolutely. And your governor is, he, he was the first governor in the entire country to announce um, his goal of a statewide vaccine passport mandate over the next two years. And he declared that last fall, um, or actually last August. So this is important that your lesser authorities are interposing against the evil he's doing. You know, that county before country express talks that we did up here, um, which was quite the undertaking, but we got rave reviews on, people loved it. Um, One of the things that happened from that is um, a county party official in here in southeastern Wisconsin was at that gathering, never met her before. She's the head of the county group. And she never heard of the doctrine of lesser magistrate. She bought the book. She's on fire. So she had me come two weeks later in December, just last month, and speak to over 50 people who are running for county and local office, county boards, um, village boards, school boards, on down the line. And she said, bring 10 books with you, you know, because some of them will probably want to get it. Well, I brought 40 books with me. And those people were on fire after I just spent 15 minutes explaining what the doctrine was. Um, And every single book was sold. Mm. They understand this is a tool that is necessary and needed at this time because it checks the tyranny and lawlessness of the superior authorities. And that is so necessary right now, even down to policemen. This is going to be important Um, because like in Chicago, a policeman is a magistrate. And so is he going to obey this and actually arrest people because they're simply trying to get food 
you know, so they can eat and they don't have a vaccine passport. It's serious times we're in. If I may, thank you. By the way, I was at that conference, found it very refreshing, inspiring, and most of all, equipping. So thank you for what you're doing. May God continue to bless you and multiply the work of Thank you. Thank you. I want to, if I may, push back on something. The uh, We have people on, as I mentioned earlier in my previous uh, question to you, on both sides of this, Christians, who say they're Christians, who agree with you that the lesser magistrate should stand up when there is direct opposition to what God has instituted, such as abortion, the destruction of the institution of marriage, etc. What do you do, though, about something as it seems to be neutral ground for some people on the vaccine, but they're pushing on this and regulating this. I'm not a political scientist. I don't know where, but there's something very fishy about the rights of the magistrates we have now to implement what they are implementing based on emergency measures. And how do you balance that out with Romans 13? I'm, I'm hoping sure. I'm my, my question. Sure. If people have to understand, yes, it's true. When the magistrates make law, policy, or court opinion contrary to the law or word of God, um, the hallmark way of Christianity responding to that is we obey God rather than man. If the right. state commands that which God forbids or forbids that which God commands, we obey God rather than the state. That's understood. Although there's so many of the majority of churchmen who believe we should always obey no matter what. But even men who believe what I just said have been a little stumped on this. You know, the matter of if it's a direct contrary decree to the word of God, we know we should not obey them. But when it comes to this, should we or shouldn't we? You have to understand also we do not obey if the authorities exceed the limits of their authority. And I'm talking about both biblically and since we live in near America, constitutionally mm -hmm. and statutorily. If they go outside and exceed the limits of their God-given office, which is to punish those who do evil, reward those who do good, and use their office to do evil. And that's what they're doing is evil. This whole pandemic thing is built on a mountain of lies. If they exceed their limits, biblically and also constitutionally, infringe upon the, sec upon the constitutional rights of Americans, rights which men fought, bled, and died for us to possess, so we have no right to glibly hand off and throw on the ground. We have a duty not to obey the magistrates and stand four square against their evil so that their tyranny is not allowed to continue on. I have preached a number of messages on this matter that I believe it's contrary in and of itself, but it's also an exceedance of their limited authority. And limited authority is very important for people to understand. Delegated authority is very important for people to understand. Delegated authority, which we as Christians hold to, is that God is the ultimate authority and that he's established four great governments in the earth, family government, church government, and civil government, all meant to produce within the individual the fourth great government, which is self-government. Each of those governments have their own role, function, and limits. 
And when one goes outside their limits, then chaos ensues. So it's important that they're checked when they go outside their limits. This is very important. But when it comes to this matter of, um, you know, being contrary to the word of God, I point to um, the ninth commandment. You shall not bear false witness. Again, if you do just a little research, this whole pandemic is built on lies. And we as Christians don't show love by telling lies. We show love by telling people the truth. Exodus 23 verse 2 makes clear that we're not to join with those spreading a lie. And so it's extremely important that we as Christians not buy into this idea that many of the churchmen have proffered that, well, do the loving thing and put your mask on. Do the loving thing and put some experimental shot into your body. That's bogus. Paul himself says in the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, that love rejoices in the truth. That's what it rejoices, not lies, not evil. And so it's extremely important that people understand their right not to obey the civil authorities on both measures, both that this is going against scripture, the ninth commandment, and it's also the magistrates exceeding their authority, imposing upon the citizens in their jurisdictions things they have no authority to impose upon them. Hmm. So this is why, like, if the civil magistrates were to come out and say something like, uh, everyone has to wear a shoe on top of their head and, you know, for, for a month or, or you know, every, every third Thursday, uh, just some random arbitrary thing, you know, we, we wouldn't have to have these debates and say, well, we're in Romans 13, it's not technically violating a command of God. It's not sinful to wear a shoe on your head. It's silly. It's a little dehumanized. It's actually very dehumanizing. But um, I guess we should just do it because after all, Romans 13, civil magistrate, that sort of thing, we can say, no, the civil government has no authority to tell me what I put on my head, much less a shoe or something like that. So we just say, well, I don't need a direct command from God saying, don't, you know, you shall not put a shoe on your head. All I need is the biblically defined boundaries of what the state is for. And this doesn't fit in that boundary. Therefore, it's null and void. It's I can treat it as if it's never as, as if it, the command was never made. And actually, what I really ought to do is publicly resist that, go around everywhere without a shoe on my head and, you know, let that be a witness to my belief that the state does not have that authority. Right. Absolutely. Well said. Um, in fact, there's a well-known churchman has a huge following who said, who's a please Romans 13 teaches unlimited obedience to the civil authority. And he said, if the governor tells me to put pinwheels on my head in order to go into a store, I'm going to put pinwheels on my head. And that is not the standard that Christians have followed <laughs> down through the ages. It is not unlimited obedience. They try to teach it from Romans 13, but when you actually look at Romans 13, um, nowhere does it actually teach that we're always to obey the civil authorities. Nowhere. In fact, there isn't one Bible verse in the entire Bible that says we're always to obey the civil authorities. Okay, but that that being said... 
sure. It, you got to admit, it's a little tempting now to go run for office in that pastor's town and go specifically for the purpose of passing a law that he has to wear a pinwheel on top of his head. <laughs> you got That's at least a little bit tempting now. <laughs> it would be, yeah. <laughs> so I, I've got, I've got a, a question here. Um, actually, just kind of segueing, Joel, with what you just uh, kind of referenced, even though it was, you know, probably not something we're all going to go do to run for office, but um, what can we do? Like I'm, I'm just a regular guy, you know, I, I, yeah, I own a business. Um, certainly didn't shut anything down a couple of years ago when all this was going on. Fortunately, I was also working in Indiana so that uh, restrictions were a little different, but um, you know, for somebody like me, I don't, I'm not super well read on a lot of this stuff. These, you know, doctrine of the lesser magistrate. I mean, I understand the concept. Um, certainly don't disagree with what I've heard uh, today um, so far. Um, uh, and honestly, I, I I don't keep up with a lot of what's going on in the news. I just don't. I'm after a long day, I'm, I'm tired and that stuff typically frustrates me more than helps me. So, um, you know, for those, for those of us that are in that kind of, uh, um, you know, day-to-day -day, um, lifestyle, I guess. What uh, what would what what can we do? Because I, you know, I agree. Like I, I'm not I'm not just going to jump uh, whenever the government's telling me to do something. Uh, you know, especially with the vaccines and masks and things like that. I mean, I, I in in my gut i just like yeah that's that's this doesn't this isn't sitting right there's got to be something wrong with this um what what more can somebody like myself do uh to you know to stand up to some of this stuff well what you just said is the most important thing um that you stand resolute as an individual and not give into it and that is hugely important. As you can see, they've done everything to try to get you to take the shot. I mean, they used the carrot first. They didn't get enough people to jump at the carrot. Now they're using outright coercion, you know, to get carrot didn't work. We're going to use coercion. That right there should tell you they want me to get this thing that bad makes me not want to get it <laughs> just on that alone. It's exactly. It's, how it's, yeah. But the, the thing with, um, yeah, you don't have to run for office, um, you know, and there's some people who will and are, um, and we have families and we have so many responsibilities, but at the same time, we do need to engage the civil authorities. And what I've been seeing is that many people realize they no longer have the convenience of being indifferent towards the unjust and immoral actions of their government. And so one of the things you can do is to press your magistrates who um, are doing wrong to do right, or if they're just sitting around being neutral and not doing anything one way or the other, press them to do right and interpose and stand in inner position. Prod them to do their, demand of them that they do their duty. And if you know good, a good person who is running for office, to give a little time to help them get elected. So there's things that we can do because, um, again, we have families um, to have an impact in the body politic and the policies and situation regarding our nation.
But again, first and foremost, you are doing by standing resolute against what they want you to do. Like I, I just refuse to put a mask on. I've never put a mask on since this all began. Um, I've only been run out of four places over all this time. Last one was Best Buy. When they ran me out of Best Buy, this was probably seven, eight months ago. And I hadn't been to Best Buy. And I walk in and two young men are standing there. They're like the mask guards. And I was with my 15-year-old daughter. And they said, sir, you have to wear a mask in order to come in here and shop. And I said, well, we don't wear masks. And they said, oh, well, we have just the thing for you. And he points down to this table. And here's a card table with a bunch of face shields, face shields on it. And I looked down at that. I looked back up at him and I said, if you think I'm going to put that on my face and walk around your store like Jojo the circus monkey, you're living in a fantasy land. And uh, he was quite astonished. (laughs) So then we had this conversation that went on for about five minutes and I left. And I won't do business with Best Buy ever again. Your noncompliance matters. It matters hugely. Um, But helping in these other ways, you know, without running for office, matter also. So I would just encourage you to prod the magistrates to do right, to stand with those who are doing right. It's important when you prod them to do right or whether they're standing and doing right that you contact them, that you um, communicate with them and let them know that you will stand with them four square with your person with your property, with your prayers, both publicly and privately, if they do right and interpose against the evil that's trying trying to be unleashed within his jurisdiction. Mm. Got it. Okay, that's good. Thank you. Sure. This is an important part of the doctrinal lesson. It's one of the tenets. Like in my book, I go through the various tenets of the doctrine. It's the first book written on the doctrine in well over 300 years. And the role of the people to the doctrinal lesser magistrate is huge. The people have the duty to prod their magistrates to do right, demand that they do right, and stand with them and assure them that they'll stand with them if they do do right. Okay, that about wraps it up for this episode. The Think Podcast is a production of the Think Institute and is produced by yours truly, Joel Sedecase. The Think Institute operates under Church Movements, a ministry of Crew under the division of Crew City. To learn about how to support the Think Institute and my family tax-free, go to thethink.institute/partner. I hope you heard something helpful today. I know I did. Remember, this is not goodbye. This has just been a short stop on the journey as we learn to lead our families in defending the Christian message. And we'll see you next time. Until then, I hope it made you think.